I hope you're ready for a doubleheader today, Chopper, because we've got a World Series champ, episode 41, and a Super Bowl champ, episode 42. Uh, we're going back to back. You ready, baby? It's a great day for two. I'm looking out. There's not a cloud in the state out here in Arizona. It's a great day for two. I'm ready, coach. Let's go. Ah, uh, listener, take a deep breath in through the nose, four seconds. Slowly out the mouth for six. And just let this soul food uh, roll right through your esophagus, down into your heart and your belly and your guts and, and anything else uh, in the body, because uh, we got some good stuff today. Um, I, I want to crank it up with, with a, you look great. You've got a new tripod. And, uh, and just tell me about that. Who, who gave that to you? Why are you looking so good, Chopper? I feel good. And uh, as you know, we've had some issues with uh, laptops and security issues with uh, with that. And uh, my wife said, well, why don't you use my tripod? It has a little light on it. And uh, I just feel really official at this point. You know, I feel good. I feel great. I look good. Uh, you know, you got to you gotta look good to play good, as uh, Primetime says. So I'm feeling great. Deb hooked it up with the uh, tripod and just ready to go, coach. It's a great day for two. Let's play two it. today. This episode is brought to you by our newest Patreon, Ricky Alvarez. Snaps. Let's go. Oh, snap. Ricky. Ricky. Let's go, Ricky. Ricky. Another new name coming in on the Patreon. So, Pels, uh, another another bit of snaps for you. And we've got a we've got a Justin B. Uh, the episodes today are brought to you by Justin B. And Pels Law and Ricky Alvarez. So let's give him an attaboy on three. One, two, three. Attaboy. Thank you That's for your awesome. support, guys. Um, our first guest is going to jump on here in about five, ten minutes. And he's number seven for the Chicago Cubs right now. Uh, he's a catcher, just completed 10 years of big league service, which you Love know, that. Chopper, that's a, that's a real deal. Uh, World Series champ. He's an all-star. He's a silver slugger. Uh, and he was the first major leaguer from Brazil. Yeah. Uh, and his name's Jan Gomes. And man, oh, man, you talk about well-respected in this industry. Uh, what have you heard about uh, our guest for today, Chopper? Yeah, uh, consummate pro. Um, he's reliable. He's a great teammate. And, uh, yeah, it's, that's how you get 10 years in the league. He uh, – Nothing but respect. I've never heard a bad thing about Jan Gomes. And uh, I'm really excited to meet him and talk to him. Talk to him about my boy Chris Jimenez. They were teammates in Cleveland uh, for that World Series run they had. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited, really excited to talk to, to Mr. Gomes. There's something about a catcher, and he's caught the likes of Scherzer and Strasburg, Kluber. Uh, he's had teammates like uh, Zim and Swish who's going to be on this pod pretty soon. Uh, I want to talk to him about uh, Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, J-Ram. Uh, and uh, yeah, just talk shop. I, he's got three kids. So I think down the road, he's going to be coaching those kids and want to talk to him about his, uh, his goals as a dad coach. And um, I think that that brings me to our topic before the guest comes on, which is, Kind of a sour, a sour punch to the gut for me this week. I had three emails from three different people um, about, uh, you know, 
the epidemic, the toxic stuff that's seeped into youth sports. And it's why we started this podcast. It's why we do what we do, Chopper, uh, to try and fix it, to try and fix all the all the negativity and the yelling and the narcissism and, and, and closed mindedness. But I thought we'd start with with these three uh, stories and just have have you, Chopper. I'll, I'll, I'll pose a question to you. What should these parents do? Uh, we'll start with a mom uh, in a disclosed location, uh, had to drop out of Little League. Son was getting physically bullied, taunted, and the coaches were being apathetic, did not step in. And um, that, that word apathy, when, when you notice uh, a kid on your team is, is not being treated fairly, um, that really got me. That, oof, that, that, that hits me right in the heart. So, uh, Chopper, what should this parent do? Um, when, when they notice their kids being taunted or treated unfairly and the players on that team are, are being bullies and the coach is, uh, is being apathetic. And what's your advice? Well, I can speak firsthand. Uh, it happened to us as well. Uh, our son, Boaz, who's now eight, was playing Little League two years ago and uh, got bullied, got uh, hit in the mouth, uh, lips bleeding, and uh, coaches apathetic, and we just fortunately have a relationship with the president of the little league, and just went right to him and said, "Hey, you know, we we were either out of here or or we put our son on a different team." And they quickly put him on another team, and it turned into a great experience um, with another team and a great coach. So that's that's your first option. Um, they probably exhausted that resource, didn't come to fruition, and then they went ahead, removed their son. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, you can't. You can't do it. Kind of, we were raised like, oh, you start something, you finish something. If kids getting bullied and the coach isn't going to do anything about it, you don't really have any other options. Um, and that's that's what we did, and that's what I would recommend is you you start with the coach, and if they're just going to have the apathy and like, well, boys will be boys attitude. Then sorry, you, you know, you got to get your kid in a good spot where they can love the game. They're gonna they're gonna not like the game anymore if they if that happens. You know, so it's bigger than baseball at that point. Yeah. Um, that, that's my first instinct as well, uh, is instead of trying to fix the issue, uh, if you can quickly, uh, let that child know that this is wrong, uh, so people aren't perfect. Let's move on before you fall out of love with the game of baseball. I think it's also, uh, important to hold these coaches accountable. Yes. They're volunteers, you know, they're volunteering their time and, and they're, um, possibly trying their best and maybe they think they're doing the right thing. Uh, but whenever a kid is walking away from the game because of you, you're not doing the right thing. And I, I think little league presidents have to hold these folks accountable. And I know there's a process in a lot of little leagues of, uh, of talking to the coach and, and giving them second and third and fourth chances, which I'm all about. I'm all about kind of giving coaches resources because it's a very hard job. It's difficult to, uh, manage all the different parents and, and their expectations and all the different kids' personalities. Um, but again, the lens we've got to look through is, is a simple one. Am I making this kid want to come back tomorrow by the way I'm, I'm coaching? And, and in no circumstance in, in any walk of life, when you as an adult see a kid taunting another kid, 
is that okay? And should we just be apathetic about it? That, that, that's even worse uh, than, than uh, I, 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 that's worse than possibly even jumping in and laughing about it. I think they're both pretty equal. Can't be apathetic about it. You got to do something about it and become sensitive to it. Uh, I, I don't let anything slide and um, uh, stern face, serious face ball game comes out whenever I, I notice that. So uh, possibly the coach was, was uh, trying to wean that player out because the, they uh, are not the highest skilled player. And that's the lens they were looking through is win at all costs. So it didn't bother them. Uh, but we got to put character at the forefront. So something we've been talking about a lot. Another story, um, a, a dad, he's a head coach. Uh, and these are five-year-old kids. Has an assistant coach uh, uh, who's not on board with the philosophy, uh, kind of combative on the way the head coach is teaching the skills. Uh, and and I, I came to find out that this assistant coach who's combative um, he, he really doesn't know what he's talking about. The, uh, the head coach uh, is really doing it right, keeping it simple, keeping it, uh, uh, keeping it just very basic. And then this coach doesn't want the kid to bend his knees when he's, when he's batting, uh, wants to take a big step. And he's just not on board with, um, with any kind of positive philosophy that the head coach is, is talking about. So I think I want to tease that. And we'll jump on that topic uh, after we chat with with our man today. Um, but yeah, that's a tease, listener, about how can a head coach deal with a combative assistant coach on a five-year-old baseball team? Um, so that uh, I, 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 you wouldn't think that would ever need to come up, <laughs> that, that topic. But I had a long phone call with the guy and he's like, what do I do? What do I do with this guy? And it's causing a, you know, it's, it's really disrupting the flow of my team. So how about that as a tease uh, as we introduce our guest for the day, World Series champ, all-star, silver slugger. And one of the coolest things I, I, I found out recently, the first major leaguer from Brazil, uh, first Brazilian all-star uh, in any American sport, it's number seven for the Cubbies, it's Jan Gomes, snaps. Snaps. It's good to see you, man. How are you? What's going on, guys? You guys hear me good all right? Morning. Yeah. We hear you. We see you. You look good. great. You're looking well, good. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate oh. it. Thank you guys for having me. I, I do have a, a beach attire. I should have probably put that on. I wish I would have known. Oh, man. I, this, is, uh, this is how I roll. And uh, uh, I, just, I just found out that Mrs. Ballgame surprised me and the two daughters uh, for my 40th birthday, which is coming up with a trip to Hawaii. So this is a bit of a, Ooh, this is a bit of a, uh, a little Hawaii. I mean, that, that, yeah. Telling those girls, good wife hey, right there. Love we're it. going to yeah. Hawaii for uh, daddy's 40th. They were fired up. So that's um, good stuff. Yeah, buddy. Well, thanks for coming on. You know, if you just finished a long season there, I, I, I watched almost all of your games. I'm a big, big Cubbies fan. I got my Cubs jersey back there. Oh, yeah, the I see that. And um, I, uh, I got to throw out the first pitch uh, last year and this year. And one of my favorite moments, I don't even know if you remember this, but had a good seat um, uh, for, the, for the game that I threw out the first pitch. And you were walking up to the on-deck circle and we caught eyes and you gave me a, you gave me a how you doing look. And I was like, Jan <laughs> Gomes just gave me a, 
how you doing buddy look from uh the bleachers that that, that was pretty cool so um thank you well, for that I'll, I'll tell you i i recognized you and that's why i was like oh hey man what's going on like i saw you throughout the first pitch uh you did a podcast with a good buddy of mine alex and uh i uh i recognized you i was like man hey what's going on man Wow. Yeah. Alex Avila was on and I just love having catchers on because you guys, I mean, you're obviously just great leaders, but the, the way you communicate is, is second to none. That's why a lot of you become managers. Uh, let's start there. Why, why is that? Why are, why do catchers become managers and, and are just such great leaders? Well, I feel like we, uh, the, the simple answer I have for that is that we have to deal with 13, 12 to 13 different personalities. Um, it's not my way or the highway. It's, uh, I'm there to, to control a pitching staff and also having to deal with being in a dugout with a bunch of guys, you know, trying to get base hits and complaining about things and that. So you try to have to maintain an even keel as much as you can, but, uh, you know, getting through, uh, five starters and then seven to eight bullpen guys, those are completely different personalities. Um, I mean, you got guys from different countries. You can go as easy as that different parts of the country, different, literally different countries, guys that don't speak the language. You kind of have to learn how to, uh, how to get guys through it. And, uh, you know, you do your best. And um, I feel like that can definitely um, benefit from, uh, you know, being a manager and understanding how uh, a dugout and how a clubhouse works. No doubt about it. I've heard a lot of players say, I mean, the best managers, uh, like a Tito, who, who was a, mm -hmm. a, a manager for you in Cleveland, they just know how to communicate with their players and make them feel good in a high leverage moment. Um, well, why is Tito uh, leading this team <laughs> into the playoffs? What was your favorite thing about, about one of my um, favorite managers? Tito, Tito does a, a tremendous job of knowing when to put his foot down and at the same time, just letting us police ourselves. Uh, we had a very close knit group in, the, in Cleveland at the time that I was there. And, and I'll be honest, we had no business making the playoffs as many times as we did, but he made us truly believe in ourselves that we were good. And a lot of us ended up having, you know, good careers, long careers. And uh, I just feel like the, the culture that, that was being built there was, um, was, was led for sure by Tito. And then it made us believe in ourselves and uh, it let us like really lead ourselves into it. Yeah, it just seems like a guy that'll empower anybody. Uh, in, in a big moment. Uh, exactly. Jan, I want, want you to meet my, my buddy, Chad Chop. He, um, he, he plays a minor leaguer uh, for years and, and he was in the Giants and Dodgers organization throwing BP and hitting fungos. And uh, yeah, he was a go. video coordinator. Um, uh, but I just, I, I want you guys to meet and Chopper, you, uh, you throw out your first question. Good morning, Jan. I got a question for you. Uh, one of my guys with the Dodgers in 2019 was Chris Jimenez. So Jimmy, I want, I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear about Jimmy cause he's a legend. So give me something about Jimmy. You had a, you guys were teammates in Cleveland. I think Jimmy and I were, uh, we were teammates multiple times. Let's go. Uh, you know, he, um, I, I'm trying to figure, first of all, Jimmy is unbelievable. I loved him. Like there's a reason why that guy was always wanted everywhere. You know, he, uh, he, he could fill in great roles when he needed to. And, you know, guys just love to have him in the clubhouse, love to have him in the dugout. He was always cheering us on. He, he you know, he was there in 2016 during our, our World Series run. Um, 
I love Jimmy, man. Like he, um, he was a big, strong guy. I, I love the bouncing ideas off of him, and we definitely, uh, we definitely had a lot of, a lot of good conversations and uh, the times we played. So the question I have for you here, I'll kick it back to Coach Ballgame. Uh, we've been talking a lot lately about being a fountain, right? When you come into a clubhouse or a situation, like you can be a drain or you can be a fountain. You can be good <laughs> energy or you can kind of suck the life out of your teammates. Um, who was the most impactful fountain that you encountered in the big leagues? And you can name a few if you want to, but that guy that when, when you saw them or when they walked into the clubhouse, you knew it was going to be a good vibe uh, and they were just going to bring this positive energy. And uh, Yeah, what do you got yeah. for me? Who's, who's a I couple mean, fountains? So, I mean, I can, I can start it like really fresh uh, uh, from this year. Uh, and I, I think a lot of us with the Cubs to say Wade Miley is just a guy. I don't know if you guys have met him before. Uh, he's just a guy that brings a lot of like loose energy. That's the kind of guy I am as well. I, uh, um, you know, having, getting, a, a being fortunate to play for, for a little while now, you kind of uh, get to go through a lot of guys like this and you go, as soon as he walks into the clubhouse, you're like just sitting there, like kind of waiting for him to, to pull something, you know, he's going to be a joke. He's going to, you know, go talk to somebody make fun of somebody when they need to make fun of. So Wade Miley, especially as he can be right now. Um, one of the first guys for me uh, uh, was Justin Masterson. Uh, he was in the, one of my first couple of years. In, we played a couple of years in Cleveland together. And that guy just brought good energy. Like he, he was just a, as even cute as it could be. He was just a happy dude. You could have deep conversations with him. You can have baseball conversations. You could have um, just how, like, what am I doing, man? Like, like help me out here. Um, Nick Swisher was also another guy. I had him uh, also in Cleveland. He just brought, like, the, the super high-level energy. It was almost, like, kind of tough. Like, you have to keep up with it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those are the three kind of guys that uh, come off the top of my head. Uh, I have a lot of guys that I definitely uh, needed them to be there uh, during some years. Uh, but those are just more of like my close-knit friends. Yeah, and that's, that's what we talk about. And Kike Hernandez was on and, and talked about that too, of like you need those fountains because it's a long season and there's some failure. And like you said, there's times when you're like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And you just need yeah. someone to remind you that you're super good looking and you're really good <laughs> at baseball and you're really good at life. And uh, just kind of put that smile on your face. And all of a sudden you kind of relax and you kind of get back in the moment and be great. I love that. I love that you named some fountains and that's huge. That's great. Coach Ballgame, what do you got? Not all oh. of us can relate to Kika Hernandez, though. That's a, he's a, he's a great looking guy. We're not all good looking like that. He's Kike. <laughs> oh, man, we had Kike on and man, he is just, uh, just one liners galore. I asked him, hey, what's your wife's mm -hmm. love language? Uh, you know, is it words of affirmation, acts of service? He paused. Perfect comedic timing. Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good one. So good. That's KK <laughs> right there. Um, well, I just texted Nick Swisher. I said, we got Jan Gomes on right now, and he just mentioned you because we've got Swish on uh, next week. And he said, love that guy. Oops. What a stud. So uh, Swish thinks you're a stud. He thinks you're up there with KK. All right. Good, um, man. Good. You're in there. Uh, I, I enjoyed listening to your podcast on the compound with uh, uh, Happer, who's uh, he's got his yep. own podcast. And, and I just love listening uh, to the to the stories you brought. And and one of them was was dealing with 
different kinds of personalities uh, on the mound, but also behind you. Um, you you've got lots. <laughs> you've got to manage a lot of different types of umpires and strike zones, and uh, you know th this kind of leads into something with 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 youth baseball and the culture of yelling at umpires when you know uh, an umpire has blown a call um and you're there and you're sticking it and you're like man he's he's not going to call a strike here um where do you go because you've never been thrown out of a game uh, how, how do you uh, how do you calm it down in those moments i don't know if that uh i don't know if that makes me soft or something uh i don't know man like i, I don't want to burn bridges i don't want to you know um i don't want to just i just know this if i sometimes when i get super mad and you know a different personality comes that is not me at all and i'll say things i don't mean so i i really want to like i always have to keep like i i because i got to go back there and you know sit there with this guy like over my ear again so um there's um you start learning about guys that um that can take it guys that are um that you can give it give it to them be like hey stay on me you know he's running that ball back or whatever it is like or hey man like give let me I'll give you a better look is there another angle that I can get down there and just let you you know see the pitch better and then there's guys where you're just like like just be quiet like they they just don't do well um you start you you'll learn about that um i've gotten i would say i i i'll i've gotten very close to to getting thrown out once and i just didn't like the the way that i was like even thinking and talking to them because at the same time i got to go back there and, and control a pitching game and I, I usually tell guys on team or whether it's a pitcher whether it's hitters like hey guys let me argue with them uh you know I'll, I'll try to get the best out of them because, you know, you, you don't want the umpire to have a, a, a huge impact in the game. I know, you know, they're all humans. They're, they're all going to make mistakes just like we do. But uh, at the same time, um, you'll, you'll have to learn, just like the pitcher, man, you have to learn some personalities that you can get on. And, and then sometimes, really, our pitchers and hitters, they want to take care of themselves. Go for it, man, because I, I, I will go back there and defend you as much as I can and have to, you know, try to diffuse the fire a little bit because we don't, you know, we got nine innings to play. Well, man, I, uh, I, I can relate with that, that other personality that kind of wants to come out sometimes. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, you've, you, you've got to learn. It's something we've tried to teach our listeners out there uh, that are yelling at umpires. And some of these umpires are 14 years old at these little league games and, and they're still yelling at them about a bad call. And uh, you've, you've got to be able to, to understand the moment and, and, and calm down when need be and, and, and just be a fountain again, instead of a drain. Yep. So, uh, uh, add a boy for that poise chopper back to you. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things that you talked about, uh, Jan, that I want to touch on, uh, especially for, for youth coaches, right? Uh, if an umpire makes a bad call, everyone knows he made a bad call. Your, your players know that he made a bad call. So now they're looking at you as an example mm -hmm. of how to deal with adversity right? So you've got to be able to be calm. You can go out there, call timeout, be respectful. Hey, you know, I disagree with this or disagree with that. Can you ask your partner? Thank you, sir. They do it. If they overturn it, yeah. great. If they don't, okay. And then you walk off and you make sure your players know, hey, this is an opportunity to overcome. This is not an opportunity to complain and whine yeah. and get lost, you know, and, and live in the past instead of getting in the moment. Yeah, Coach Bogan. And then you, there's a, it's apples to oranges as far as Major League Baseball and and 
little league baseball. I mean, this is your <laughs> livelihood. You know, if an umpire makes a bad call, Jan, you, you might strike out and then you don't get that, uh, that extra year of service. You're not able to put the food on the table for your family. Like it's a whole different deal. So when they say, I'm, I'm just doing what I saw, uh, you know, a, a, a player or a coach uh, in the majors do, you're not feeding your family with this game. No. Uh, they are, you know? No, no, absolutely. And I think uh, to, to your point, every, every, um, every opportunity is a teaching moment. You know, whether it's for your kids and how to handle, you know, adversity, whether it's for your teammates, because, you know, there's, there's a young guys and then there's old guys. Everybody's, everybody just seems to be complaining about the strike zone now. And it's, it, I watch the games now in the playoffs and I get it. I like, a guy strikes out looking, and I'm like, this guy complains about every, and that really gets on me, like, because I'm like, dude, get yeah. off, the, get out of the box, because it's a strike, yeah. like, you don't have, or, you know, in quotes, like, what we say, that, like, you don't have the amount of time here to complain about this strike right now, like, you know, like, there's these kind of conversations that you have, because, like, sometimes you just want to put guys in their places, but at the same time, especially in the youth um, league, Man, like every time is a teaching moment, whether it's for your kids and whether it's for really a 14-year-old umpire that's just trying to make some money on a summer a summer job or, or whatever the, the leagues are. You know, you're just like, hey, bud, like, you know, slow the game down. That's the one thing that I always tell guys, like slow the game down. You don't have to make the call so quickly. Like just take your time, think about it, make the call. And then those moments are going to start, you know, becoming easier and you can like, you'll see a lot of moments happen. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's more guys that are needed like you guys uh, to teach the, the young community. Because I, I do keep up a lot with you guys, and you guys do keep the game fun, keep the game like it's supposed to be. No no one is getting recruited at six, even at 12 years old, really. No one's making the big leagues at that age. Now, you go to, you know, you go to the DR, yeah, there's going to be 16-year-olds ready to play in the big leagues and, you know, even here. But at the same time, man, like, just, just enjoy and learn the game. There's teaching moments every time you go out there and just slow down, like just slow it down. Yeah. And, and to your point of like these kids that are really good, like, let's talk about, Hey, like the prospects. Okay, great. You're a prospect and you're really good. That's awesome. You still need character, right? You still got to be able to con 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 yeah. like carry, carry yourself with integrity and all these things matter. If you think when, you know, uh, Hunter green, really good stud athletes from orange County, I believe it's Hunter green. I'm pretty sure. Um, and his high school coach, uh, Brett K, Jay, Sarah, they played against my best friend who's, uh, at Laguna beach. And he brought up the fact that Hunter green was 0 for four with three strikeouts, made two errors, had 30 scouts. Every team was represented. He looked like he was four for four with had this good energy. He was a fountain. And it's like, mm -hmm. if you think they're going to give you this big old bag of money and you're throwing your stuff and being crazy, like that's not going to happen. They're not going to invest in you. So even if you're really good you still have to carry yourself with some level of integrity and, and a professionalism that you can stay calm and carry yourself the right way, or else they just won't give you the amount of money that, that, you, that you're hoping for. You know, um, I, I like that you said with umpires, you talked about, this is what I do as well. I'm a head coach at a high school and you know, you know, from the dugout, if it's a strike, right. As far as, sure. you know, that's, that's not low. Right. I don't argue with umpires. I won't do it. I don't allow my staff. I don't allow my players. It's just not a thing we do. We, we look to overcome. But I'll come out in between innings and I'll say, hey, Brian, you know, I got, I'll talk to my catch. He's got to give you a better look. He's got to give a better look on that pitch that's down. He's not sticking it. And I'm going to talk to him. But, hey, you're doing a great job. Don't ever blame the umpires. <laughs> if you can use that, you know what I mean? Like you do, like, hey, I got to give you a better look. I love that because that's 
That's like mm-hmm. my biggest thing. And for coaches that are coaching high school, like use that. That's a real thing. You know, if it's not a ball, but you can't just say, Hey, that's not low. It's not going to help. You know, you got to yeah. find a different way to, to let them know. Question I have for you, Jan, uh, let's go back to 2019. I want to talk about momentum because, uh, you know, and I was with the Dodgers at that time. So, so I was doing replay and coordinating video for them and y'all came in uh, and just had this momentum and this camaraderie. And uh, I want to talk about that and just like, how did that come about? You can see it right now with the Padres and the Phillies, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to be scary. Um, but, but what was that like? And y'all, I mean, y'all knew you were coming in to face, face the best team in baseball, arguably, but y'all knew you were about to do something really special. What was that like? No. Yeah. Um, that was, um, and I'm sure you guys probably have like read before. There was like that moment during the year where we, um, that clubhouse flipped and we, we truly started trusting in each other, started trusting, you know, on what we were supposed to look like. And we were just having fun. Um, we had a tremendous game against Milwaukee. We overcame. We were down in the seventh. Josh Hader comes in, one of the best closers of our generation, and comes in, and we overcome. I mean, I'm using your words here now, and Juan Soto gets a big base hit. We ended up coming win the game, and now we got to go play uh, the Dodgers. You know, the what year, year in, year out, they win 100-plus games every year. You guys, like, you know, refuse to lose. So we came in, really, man, like we had no pressure on us. Like we really did it. We um, we came in just ready to play a ball game. Hey, everybody could get knocked out, you know. And at any point, one team can be good, and that's what we were. We were we didn't come in. Hey, Dodger Stadium, you got all these celebrities sitting on top of our decker. Dude, let's just have a good time. I'm telling, dude. There was a there was a there was the strangest feeling, like uh, how as a team we were coming together uh, and just having a good time together. Which, man, like, it leads to, like, guys rooting for each other, guys, like, um, you know, wanting each other to succeed, and it's contagious. You know, you want to talk about momentum, like, momentum is created by, like, you know, one guy trusting each other. We can do, like, the, the pass and the rope. Like, that's, the, that's a big, um, I think, saying that guy's using. Um, we were down. I think we were down a bunch of those games, and we came back. And there's always these moments as they go throughout the playoffs where we all just start looking at each other. It's like, it's about to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, unfortunately, uh, Kershaw is one of my favorite guys to, to watch pitch. He's done it at the best level. He comes in the game, um, game five, and um, Tony Rendon comes up and hits a homer. And we're like, looking at each other, we're like, here he goes, like, get it together because it's about to happen. Juan Soto goes back to back, tie ball game. We're like, we're in. Like, dude, we're going to win this now. And then the game keeps going, and we're like, just wait, man. Like, like somebody's going to get on and somebody's going to get it in. It was just a uh, – it's a really hard thing to explain. But if you were in that dugout, even if – like, I'm telling you, dude, like, video guy, like, just – MLB guys were like, holy God, it's about to happen. Like, these guys feel it. You know, it, it was just – um, that was that whole series, that whole playoffs. It was um, – we were um, – that's the closest I've ever – that was my first year in, in D.C. too, man. Like, and I still to this day would say, like, that's the closest – closest group I've ever been around. And it was hey, like, Bob, yeah, best, but Bob, before that too. 
Bob Henley, that was my manager in uh, 2005. Hen's the best. Dude, one of the funniest guys. <laughs> I mean, talk about a guy that has the one-liners and knows what to say at the right time. But that was the, the thing, man. Like, we had everyone from top to bottom. Like, no one was safe. Everyone was, you know, and everybody's, like, line of fire. So if, you, if you're doing something dumb, somebody's going to get on you. But it was, like, out of love. And that was the biggest thing with that team. Everything was out of love. And out of like out of construction, we're not trying to bring anybody down. Um, so anytime, like the accountability that we held for each other was just so high, whether we liked it or not. But like it was just, it was just such a fun team, and that's just kind of how. Like I mean, I I could uh, I could sit here all day and explain to you, but you know, I think it might be a might be too short of a podcast to get going with this. So there's a couple huge things that you said there that. And you're right. You can't just like magically go, we're going to be, we're going to be awesome and have momentum. No, but there is a, there's some keys, right? One thing that you said, you guys, it was rooted in love and respect. So there was accountability, but there was still this, this underlying, or even like in the forefront, like, Hey, I know my teammate loves me. My coach loves me and they respect me. They're going to hold me accountable, but it's, it's through love and respect, right? So if you're setting a culture, set that first accountability, mm -hmm. love and respect. And then you touched on the fact that when that, when that clubhouse flipped, y'all stopped worrying about yourselves, right? You all of a sudden, it was like, hey, I'm going to have my guys back. And you guys had this, this momentum of like, hey, dude, like I'm going to come in here selfless. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to help us win a ball game today. And then all of a sudden, it got fun really quick. So mm -hmm. I think players get mixed up in that sometimes of like, hey, I got it. Like Coach Ballgame said, I got to have X, Y, and Z to happen so I can have X, Y, and Z in my life. And there's some power in that. It's true. Like, we're not going to sit here and say that's not, but some of these most special, and I, I've got two World Series rings. I've got 2014 with the Giants. I've got 2020 with the Dodgers. In both of those clubs, there was this selfless vibe, and there was this vibe of, like, watch, here we go. Oh, here it comes. Mm -hmm. Oh, watch this. I mean, that Giants club, shoot, the Nationals were the best team at that point, right, in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, came, came in, 18-inning uh, ball game. Brandon Belt hits the homer. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's that vibe, but – Two things you said, you guys had accountability. There was a love for each other and a respect. And then you guys weren't worried about yourselves. And that's when all of a sudden you got blessed. I love it. Coach Ballgame. That's good. That is just food, man. I, I kind of get lost sometimes just listening to you guys talk. And I forget that I, I'm a host. Um, but I, I, I wanted to throw three quick ones at you. And, and just you can just fireball. If, if it's one name, if it's two, uh, just a couple of teammates that, that uh, are on your, your Mount Rushmore. How about the smartest, smartest teammate uh, that you can recall? Smartest teammate in just in baseball sense? Of course, right? Let's go. Yeah, let's go baseball. Um, so there's always one guy that I always relied on. Um, I'd say, uh, uh, Michael Brantley, mm. he's, he's probably going to be on a lot of my um, my answers here. So he was a guy that no matter what was going on, I could always turn to him. And he he just had the right answers. Um, funniest, and we can so, call that craziest teammate. Um, Carlos Carrasco, oh. Cookie. Um, once you get in there, this is I have plethora of videos that I probably am not allowed to show that he, he just sends to um, 
to just get a kick and a laugh out of everybody. And uh, he does it every time. And Brandon, uh, Brandon Belt talked about that on the podcast. He's got these text threads and he thrives on them because, you know, you've got these threads and these pictures and, and gifts that just keep it light when you're 0 and 8, you know, or, or, or 0 yeah. for 20, you know, and you need yeah. that guy. Exactly. Um, kindest. Who's the most kind teammate? Kindest. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Justin Masterson. Mm. Selfless. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something I, it's my, one of my priorities when I'm, when I'm teaching kids, how kind can you be? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, I have parents that will come to one of my sandlots and, and they're expecting to be anxious for two hours and just scream <laughs> at umpires and, and hang on every pitch. Meanwhile, these kids are, they're fist bumping each other on different teams when somebody gets out and they're saying, Hey, get them next time, you know, uh, just exuding this kindness and it changes a community. It changes the way parents, um, uh, hang out with their kids when they go home. It, it, it really is important. So I'm, I'm a big Roberto Clemente guy and, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm always talking, talking kindness. Um, yeah, I, 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 I want to jump into uh, a trivia before we, we close up shop <laughs> here. Uh, we do, we do some trivia and this is, this is you Jan <sighs> versus chopper. Uh, and this is Jan Gomes trivia. Before we get oh. to the trivia, uh, <laughs> Chopper, did you have any anything else, any hard-hitting questions um, for our uh, for our Silver Slugger? I mean, I, I loved I loved everything that Jan. That, yeah, I mean, and I knew he would. He's awesome. So uh, the one other question I had, and this could be from any point in baseball, from youth all the way up, is there a coach that stands out? And there's probably a lot, but like your most influential coach, and why were they so influential uh, in your journey and your development? Yeah, um, for sure. Um, there was a guy named uh, Wayne Hendricks. He's actually uh, a coach at the high school that I uh, that I played at, and um, he was the first guy that took like put me under his wing. Um, he um, so um, a background of my story: I moved from Brazil to Miami. I was born and raised in Brazil. Moved here. And my dad was, uh, he's a tennis coach and I played baseball in Brazil and we went to this, uh, center and there was baseball going on there. And they're like, Hey, my son plays. And this guy like took care of me, man. Like he, uh, he, uh, I was like in his car, everywhere we would go, like he would drive us because my parents were both working and, um, trips. Like if we had to go play some tournaments, like he took care of us. Like he was just, so um, he's definitely uh, one of the most influential guys that I had uh, growing up in the youth uh, with youth sports. But um, I'd say from uh, in the, like, once I turned, once I signed, um, uh, Sandy Alomar, Sandy Alomar Jr. Uh, was one of the guys that I uh, tremendously looked up to. Uh, obviously, uh, he's one of the best catchers to play in this game, but he was also, you know, he was my bench coach one year, he was my but he was, he, we would just sit and talk, you know, like, this is one of the coaches that I could text him right now and be like, hey, dude, I love you, man. Like, you, you've been a big part, like, of what I've done. And, and he'll text me right back, hey, hey, love you too, brother. You know what I mean? Like, th those are, um, yep. and it's not out of, like, like, being uncomfortable either. It's like, this guy is truly one of the guys that's like, 
um, help me love the game more. Like, help me want to be at the ballpark with him. I love it. It's great. Yeah, my, my two growing up were Bob Score and Mike Robertson. Same thing as you said. I, mean, I just remember being in their cars and their vans, heading to a tournament, mm-hmm. listening to classic rock. Uh, you yeah. know, and uh, their thing, well, we had a really good program, and their thing was they would always have their guys because there's a ton of guys, Phil Nevin, all kinds of guys from the big leagues. They would just give some of their equipment to us. We were 14 and 15, and their thing was, hey, just pay it forward. When you get there, just like that's kind of how they did it. It was cool. It was really cool. I love that. Good on those coaches. Out of boy, obviously, Sandy Alomar and Lane Hendricks. Love and that, dude. Out of boy that, to both of them. To, to the coach out there, to the parent. What stood out to Jan Gomes? Not not the coach that taught him how to hit missiles to the opposite gap or frame a pitch. <laughs> it's the guy that would sit down beside him on a bench and just talk to him. And man, you talk about really making an impact on somebody. Just slow the game down, sit down with mm-hmm. him, and 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 ask him questions. How are you today? You know, you having yeah. any trouble in school? That means so much to a player. So. Uh, that's coach, awesome. Yeah. Let me say, let me say one last thing for any of our professional coaches out there. I'm talking to the professionals. Okay. Uh, and Jan, you can, you can nod your head if you want to, or you don't have to I'll say it. Cause I can say it. Cause there's no repercussions for me. There's a lot of coaches that it's about them. Right. And that's not the play. Be about the players, be a support, be a guy that's willing to sit down. Sandy Alomar jr. If he's not in the hall of fame, he should be. And it's, and it's a high, you know, baseball family. But what you said about him was he's available. And he's, I could text him right now. He's going to text right back. Like, be that. Mm-hmm. Be there for the guys. Be supportive. Be there and show up to the field. How can I serve today? Um, there's yeah. not enough of that in the big leagues from those coaches. But those that are there, and I feel like they're starting to usher in, that's how you create that positive environment, the environment that Tito sets, where it's this well, like, well-nutritioned garden, and you're going to grow as much fruit and vegetables that you're supposed to with that talent, maybe even more. Jan, you said it. Like, y'all had no business being in the playoffs, but you were in the playoffs almost every year because you had quality humans around you that wanted to serve and love. That's it. That's my, that's my public service announcement to professional coaches. <laughs> it's not about you, coaches. Bang. Um, yeah, I'm not going to follow any up on that. You got it. Preach, brother. <laughs> I love it when Chopper gets excited, man. It is good stuff. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Chopper, have you ever won in this contest, this trivia contest? I won once. Yeah. I'm one for, uh, one for about 15. Okay. You're one in one in 14. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you know the answer to Jan Gomes trivia, answer it, either of you. And whoever answers correctly first gets the point most career at bats against what pitcher does Jan Gomes has have the most career at incorrect. Close. Keep going though. You 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 can you can get it wrong and then keep keep rolling. (laughs) You got 41 career ABs against this guy. Mark Mark Burley. Incorrect. No, I I think I only got like two or three of them. (laughs) I was trying to think Uh, I was trying to think a lefty in the AL Central. That's where I'm going with it. He's extremely relevant to this day. This is I'm terrible at these, man. I like he's um, literally he's literally he's starting relevant today. Wow, who's, who's playing today? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's starting today. Is it? It's not Quintana. Hold on, I, I'm cheating right oh, now. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not looking. I'm just looking who's playing today. 
you're good. Quintana's not. He's out. He was with the Cardinals. Yeah. This is great. Listener, uh, can you give can me you, give me initials? Um, and th- this is your hint. He made Kershaw? me dry heave. Oh, Verlander. I know. Bang. That. Justin Verlander, Verlander, 41 career at bats. You've faced him more than any other pitcher. And if you listen to the Alex Avila podcast, you know that in college, he threw a curveball that made me dry heave, almost throw up. Um, I think he's still doing that. He is still doing doing that to people. Um, It's crazy. You've had, you've had some, you, you've had, you held your own against him, but just put us in the batter's box against Verlander and maybe Scherzer real quick uh, as as Chopper takes a one nothing lead. I am. So I, I know this because we just faced him this year. I do have a way better feel about a face Scherzer. I think I'm betting 500 off Scherzer. Um, Verlander, you just you cannot swing high enough to get on top of his baseball. He throws from a high angle and it never comes down. It stays up like it's not yeah i'm really just playing pe- i'm just trying to play pepper because my always my goal is just like all right don't strike out don't strike out <laughs> i don't strike out three times today i came out winning on this one um yeah but yeah i guess yeah from the time in detroit we got to face and face each other a lot and then um, we'll delete hey what we got to delete that scherzer clip because uh if max gets wind of that dude he's gonna come oh, back he's coming for you Please, we've already had this conversation. They they did an art uh, when we played each other. They were like, um, "Oh, so you let your old teammate get you twice today?" He's like, "Oh no, we'll have a lot of conversations about that." Yep. Yeah. All right. One zero. Right. I don't like. Guys, I don't like losing. You guys are brothers. Um, most hits all time. You, you got thirteen hits against this guy, Kyle Gibson. Bang. One one. Let's yeah. go. Kyle Gibson's gonna be in there one time. I know somebody at <laughs> the central. I gotta. There, hey, he's there. nasty too. Gibson's nasty. He just doesn't have that rise like Verlander, huh? You know, is that the key? No, he no, he was coming down, and yeah, you know, it's no secret. I, I hit the low ball pretty good. Let's go. Um, uh, one to one. Uh, most runs batted in against what pitcher? Oh, jeez. You got nine ribbies against this guy, all time. <laughs> Um, his first initial and his last initial are the same letter. Oh, okay. Oh, Chopper, you got I like this. That. I have no idea. I know. I know. You got to. I thought these were going to be a little bit like less trivial than. Oh this is no, hard, dude. Hey, this is hard. He's he's giving me a chance. What do you got? Uh, South uh, Southpaw. Southpaw. Lefty. Not Chris. All right. No. Not Chris Sale. Uh, Jim Jimmy owned Chris Sale. I heard all about that. The initials are D. The initials are DD, lefty. All right. AL Central. Uh, Danny Duffy, Royals. Bang. Danny Duffy, correct. Let's go. That's true. Only because I hit a grand slam off of him. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Danny Duffy's a good human too, coach. Uh, We had him with the Dodgers last couple years. He's a really good human. He's, He's quiet and he's... He's got that social uh, anxiety a little bit, but like I had opportunities to have conversations with him and a really selfless, good quality dude, man. Danny Duff is good, good people. Sounds like a good pod uh, uh, interview. Get him on the pod. Bang, biscuit. 2-1 chopper. You're starting to come around here. Um, Well, you're asking obscure, obscure stats here. I love it. We need more of this. 
you, you got to be dialed in with these trivia questions. Most hits, uh, most hits midweek on the road while wearing high socks. <laughs> <laughs> I got All right. that. Uh, who, who, who got him the most? Who struck him out the most? What pitcher? Verlander. Incorrect. Probably wrong. Yeah, you don't do the same answer twice. Jose Quintana. Correct. Two, two to go. two. Okay. Absolutely owns me. Guy terrifying. Interesting. <laughs> no, he just I, you know, it's one of those things, man. Like I, I, I have good at bats against him until I get the two strike. Like I, it doesn't go forward; it goes backwards the whole time. Yeah. Like I'm up there, I'll, I'll grind down yep. like seven, eight pitch at bats, and then, yeah. you know, I'm like, ah, let's go. They double bounces <laughs> one, and I'll swing at it. I'm like, ah. <laughs> It's it's just in your that. head at this point. Uh, well, this is this is this is for all the marbles. This is the last question. Tie game two two. two. He's got 125 career bombs. Um, mm. what count uh, does he have the most <laughs> bombs? Oh oh, ambush! You won. Let's go. <laughs> Big ambusher. I ambushed the answer. I hey, like I Let's said, go. man. Once, it, once the count gets deeper and I get the two strikes, I, I, I don't. You look at my numbers. I don't walk. So, yeah. <laughs> twenty-one bombs on an O and O count. Um, really? So, uh, you know, hopefully, so I should start doing that more often. I got to hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully the NL Central, the other NL Central <laughs> pitchers don't see this podcast, uh, uh, or they'll they, they won't they won't throw that heater down the middle. Hey, with the Chopper amount of analytics, gotta... there's there's no there's no hiding that anymore. You're not hiding no. that. Yeah, they know that. <laughs> they know it. Good, uh, good on you, Chopper. Got to give it to you, um, Jan. Man, thanks for. I know you got you got kids. You got a busy off season ahead. Just being a parent. So thanks for coming on for for nah, a few thank minutes. Thank you guys, man. Being I our guest, you, I, I love what Absolutely, you brought. Guys, I love what you brought to our team. You know, I, I'm a lifelong Cubbies fan here, and. And just the leadership, and uh, and the wisdom, and it just really it it meant a lot to a Cubs fan here. So, um, no, love it. Thank thank you guys, man. I, I I truly love what you guys do. I do listen to your podcasts. I watch you guys on Instagram. Like it's a it's a really cool thing, and it's uh, it, and more of it needs to be done. Uh, the 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 young generation needs more guys like you. Well, whenever you. whenever you want to get a sandlot going in your neck of the woods, just let me know. I'll I'll fly over and we'll get it going. Absolutely, man. Well, hey Appreciate guys, thank you. you guys for having me, man. Really Have nice a great day. Day. Nice you. to meet you. Thanks, Jan. That's mm -hmm. awesome. There it is. Great. Uh, Jan Gomes. And how cool is that? I text Swish because uh, he just let me know he's in for next week. So we got a double dipper again next week with Nick Let's Swisher. Go. And the uh, owner of the Savannah Bananas. How cool is that? Um, so That's awesome. Two, two double headers in a row. Um, uh, but what? Yeah, I mean, what a guy. What, maybe one of my favorites. Uh, just, just a, just a slow the game down. Um, great teammate to have, Jan Gomes. What, what did you take from that interview? Yeah, man, I loved I loved what he talked about with the Nationals uh, because when that clubhouse flipped, it was uh, you know it was because the environment flipped and the guys you know put themselves in the back burner and put their teammates in the front. And as coaches, like that's what you try to preach, right? Um, and there's a firsthand 
account of like that's what switched it was everyone saying they tried it their own way and they were bad they were 19 and 38 or something crazy it was difficult with a ton of talent and then all of a sudden they said all right i'm gonna stop worrying about me and my stats and i'm gonna try it a different way and then they won the world series you know pretty cool boom well um i uh, i teased i teased a uh, a question to you uh prior to the um uh, prior to the interview, great interview with Jan Gomes, so fun, so good. Uh, but uh, we talked about a, a mom uh, who had to leave their little league team uh, because of an apathetic coach, not a, not able to deal uh, with bullies in a productive way. And then we've got this head coach uh, of a five-year-old team who's who's really got this um, uh, this this assistant coach who's kind of sucking the positive energy out and, and continually uh, to the point of I'm not going to listen and we're not going to abide by what you're teaching as far as the skills of hitting which seems kind of crazy at the age of five like you should be teaching him love yeah. of play uh, and and yep. character uh, but what do you do as a head coach of a, a basically a t-ball team when you've got an assistant coach um, I don't know doing something like that so it's challenging, right? Because it's very hard to find volunteers. Uh, that's a thing, right? Um, but, and I haven't done it at the T-ball level. I've done it at the high school level where I set expectations for my coaches. We have a meeting before the players are, are part of the equation. And it's like, hey, these are my expectations. These are why they're my expectations. Um, and it's really more about character. It's really more about, we never disagree in front of the kids. If you have a thing that you wanna say or disagree, we do that behind closed doors and then we come out as a united front. If kids can sense it, if they sense that fracture at the top, the whole thing won't work. It'll be a house of cards. Um, so you got to have expectations, realistic ones set. Now that's a high school team. Now let's go to a, a T-ball team. Very hard to find volunteers, right? So do the same thing before the kids are a part of the equation or, or before a practice, before your very first practice. These are my expectations. These are why. Um, and if you, don't like that then you know uh thank you for being willing to coach but you know <laughs> it, it's not you it's me you gotta go um i had to let go of a coach last year after the first game of the year we won our first game of the year and i had to relieve my pitching coach of his duties you know what i mean so it's like who does that who who gets rid of a coach after a win i mean you gotta do what you gotta do if it's not no. if it's not fitting the culture that was my uh, exact same reaction it is, you know, as, as harsh as this sounds, it just seems like ways need to be parted uh, just to save the entire group. And I related it to the one kid who's being disruptive in a team meeting of 50, uh, as opposed to just making it all about that one kid um, and then cut the other 49 short of a good product. Uh, it, it, you know, you got to cut your losses. And, and I know you kind of want to, you want to teach and mentor and change the way this person is acting. Maybe same with a parent who's just very needy or, or I want my kid to play more uh, or, or yelling negatively. Um, the expectations have to be set early. And I think you do a, a great job of doing it in the right way. And if there's one person I'd want to fire me, I think it would be you. Uh, why? Because uh, you're honest, but you come from a place of love. Uh, so I think that's the, the, the that's the play. You got to be honest and you got to set the expectations clearly. I'm the head coach uh, and, and this is how it's going to go. Parents, coaches, uh, are we on board? And if you're not, 
we're not going to ruin this season for our kids. Bang. Yeah, 100%. Uh, 100%. Yeah, lastly, uh, another mom, um, manager, coach, screaming at the kids, Uh, parents constantly yelling uh, criticism at the umpires, Uh, uh, kids crying uh, because they struck out because they're afraid of their coaches yelling at them or parents yelling at them. Uh, And then uh, a mom coming over to the dugout and saying, you wait till you get out of the dugout. You don't cry on the field. Don't ever do that. Um, And then the kid cried more. Um, Just lots of tears on a eight-year-old baseball team uh, that seems to be stemming from parents uh, that are making it about themselves and, and possibly to be honest with you, some mental health issues, but, uh, 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 this mom's, uh, question is why can't parents just be quiet and watch the game? Uh, what, what should this mom do chopper? That's a tough one. Um, I mean, it's a toxic environment, right? And if you're just a parent, you don't really have control of the environment itself. So I don't think there's an, any other option, but to kind of take your kid off, off that team. Um, you can try to talk to the coach, but and do that and do that and say, Hey, you know, I got a podcast for you. Would you be willing to listen to it? Um, and then maybe you can kind of re- rehabilitate it, but it sounds like that's like a, a whole team of just combativeness. Uh, and it's not a good environment. I, I talked to my coach just, <clears throat> what is today? Tuesday on Sunday. And it was really cool. We've got eight year olds. Right. And, um, it was this moment where the kids were having a little bit of trouble. Uh, we were hitting them some fly ball. We're, we're kind of advancing to like, all right, now we're going to get a, a, a high level of reps, a bunch of reps. Um, and this kid was having trouble catching fly balls. And he's like, coach, what do we do? You know, what, what do we do with this? And the biggest thing that I wanted him to know is like, hey, they're eight years old. You know, we're going to keep giving them reps and we're going to make sure that they have joy. Like, that's it. Because this game gets hard, as you know. You get to high school, you get to college. High school, it's still fun. College, it, it kind of stinks if you don't have that underlying joy. So when you're young, it's about joy. It's about fun. It's about getting reps. If you screw up, hey, get up, Jimmy, try again. You know, hey, try again. They'll figure it out or they won't and they'll find their other passion and that's okay too. But we're not going to yell and scream and hem and haw because first of all, we're wasting our energy, right? Second of all, it, it's not what it's about. It's about joy. It's about fun. It's not about execution yet. You keep trying to have them execute. But at the same time, like ages six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, it's about joy. No scouts are coming out to look at your eight-year-old. My eight-year-old's elite. He's super good. No scouts are coming to see him. They don't care. Cool. Be elite when you're 16, you know, uh, and have character. So, uh, yeah, dude, it's about joy. Uh, but for that parent, uh, long-winded answer to say, coach listen to this podcast oh you don't want to okay uh thank you for your service we're out yeah and i would add to that uh once again it's the exact same thing i told her uh send them our podcast um and and maybe send them the the episode of the 15 core values of coaching and then maybe throw a a mookie betts or um an albert Pujols episode his way uh to to maybe he'll listen to them and then have them call me. I would love to talk to these people and, and just ask, what lens are you looking through? I mean, it's my mission. I'm passionate about it. So put us together on a text and, and I will be glad to let them know um, uh, how, uh, 
how negatively they're impacting kids and, and how they need to, to just do better uh, if they're going to be that self-righteous. Um, so that's that. And uh, hey, I kind of thought we were doing something about this problem. And I think we are. Uh, we're putting a rock in people's shoe, but uh, it, it keeps materializing and it keeps snowballing and, and it's, the problem's not going anywhere. So we'll just keep, we'll keep driving it home, brother. Um, but I refuse to, to end any podcast on a sour note. Uh, we're uh, we're going to continue to rake. And I think we're just exposing more and more of these stories and, and getting the stigma uh, out there and getting, you know, there's no stigma on this. This is a problem. Let's shine lights on it. And uh, I guess before things get better, they got to get worse, huh? Yeah. And, and I wish, I wish every, uh, every coach at every level would have a mission statement. You know what I mean? Cause you'd be able to get a glimpse at their heart um, and you'd be able to know, like, there's plenty of coaches that their only goal is I want to win as many games as I can and stack as many of these, you know, pot metal rings that they give away at these tournaments or in little league uh, trophies and ribbons and all the stuff that ends up in a box in your garage as you get older, because mom and dad don't want to throw it away because they think you still want it. And you just say, Hey dad, throw that away. I don't, I don't care. Um, if that's their mission statement, then that's not the team for you. You know, it's just not your, your son's not going to thrive in that environment. Yeah, sure. Like I'm as competitive as it gets. I, that's a blanket statement. I'm as competitive as it gets. You know, you, you chewed seeds against me, you know, I, we don't have to go to the tape, but it was, it was a boat race, you know? Um, and you're competitive as I'll get out too, but like time and a place, like create competitive uh, drills and practice. Great. Have them compete. I have layers of competition in my program. Uh, it's, it's built in. I think there's power in that. But at the end of the day, it comes back to, I want these kids to know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that their joy is detached from their results in the field, that we're going to love them no matter what. Um, and I want them to have fun and I want them to love the game. This is our favorite game. This is what we want to do. We wake up every day and it's God family baseball. You know, uh, we're thinking about our families and then we're thinking about baseball, you know, and that's what. That's why I spring out of bed every day is, all right, what, what can I do differently in this practice plan to help these kids? What lesson can we use from not sliding into second base? Like what, whatever it is, it always goes back to baseball. It always has and it always will in my life. Um, so I, I don't want to ruin this sport for other kids. I think there's too much beauty in it. Um, but I think that would be cool. I think every coach should have a mission statement, you know? And then, and then you get to see. And then if you put it on paper, it can be like, wow, that's not it. Like, that's why I'm doing this. Like, okay. Or maybe you're like, yeah, that's it. And then, okay, go find 12 like-minded individuals that want to be that. And then, and then go get on an Island and then burn your boat. And then hopefully we don't have to see it anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then we can get into some coaches with character and love and respect of the opponent and, uh, and that stuff. Bang. Well, we're going to take a five minute break. Uh, eat a protein bar and then we go potty we'll jump on uh, episode 42 so uh, we will continue to rake and uh, and 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 tune in for this double header we got our super go. champ brad johnson coming on next so uh, bang 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 thank you so much to our six patreon supporters now we're up to six um, outstanding